0: December, and December is, uh, this season um, is marked by a wonderful time called Advent. Advent um, marks the beginning of the liturgical Christian calendar. There is something like that. So one of the things Christians have done over the centuries is to create seasons and moments of their faith journey. So they came up with this liturgical calendar that follows the life of Jesus. Uh, At the heart of it, it's a reenactment of two great redemptive moments in the life of Jesus, the Christmas season and the Easter season. And each of those is preceded by a couple of weeks of reflection and prayer and, uh, and devotion. Um, so before Easter, you have 40 days of Lent. And before Christmas, you have a season called Advent that starts four Sundays before Christmas Day. And so today is Advent. And so the first Sunday of Advent marks the beginning of the Christian calendar. And for us as a church here, we think that's a helpful way to wrap our years. After all, what's the central story of our faith? It's the journey of Christ. And I'm grateful that there are people who, who thought of wrapping time around the story of Jesus. Uh, what if we could reflect more meaningfully into that story? And so that's what advent is for someone wrote and said advent is one of the greatest and most mysterious seasons in the christian calendar advent celebrates the incarnation the mind-blowing reality of the god of the universe becoming man living breathing walking on the earth as we do but even um as it celebrates Christ's arrival on earth and his rescue of it, Advent also looks patiently to the future return of Christ to bring all wrongs to right once and for all. Advent accepts the tension of the already and, and, and of the not yet. It welcomes the waiting. It is merriment and melancholy together. Beauty uh, so sublime like the best, that like the best art, It simultaneously comforts and rocks us to the core. So always there is something, there is a practice uh, being emphasized in in such a season. And in this season is waiting, anticipation. There are ways we long for God to move in our world even now. On Christmas Day, God moved decisively by coming into the world. And so because of God arriving uh, through the birth of Jesus Christ, we take a season of Advent to... To, to cultivate a waiting, to tap into that longing. How would we long for God to move? How would we long for one day, God, to come to return again and make everything all right? So rather than arriving on Christmas date, huffing and puffing from all the parties, all the end-of-year activities, um, that's why I think Advent is a, is a meaningful season. And a few of the things you can do um, number one is uh, consider it a devotional season what if for example this season you just uh, read uh, read the stories of the birth of christ maybe read the first three or four chapters of every gospel prayerfully reflectively uh there's a calendar i like to attach to this a link there um, uh, that has the lectionary readings of every week what if you connected it to your calendar and every week you get these readings of the old prophets prophesying their arrival and reflecting on them. Maybe you can just uh, yeah just get into the spirit, uh, play some carols and see what happens. You know, um, there's someone who wrote and said, Christians are called not to be anti-culture, but to be counter-cultural. I don't know what makes you know that it's Christmas already. Yeah? Maybe the decorations we see on the shops, uh, the music that plays in the supermarkets, in the malls, Right we are not called to throw out everything, but we are called to mark the season with more meaning. Uh, What if this story shapes and impacts us by slowing down, reflecting more, and praying? So that's what Advent is all about. Um, And so for us, this season of Advent, we want to continue, we want to go through a conversation we are calling discomfort and joy. Discomfort and joy. You know... When it's Christmas time and uh, you know you're thinking of all the things that will happen, sometimes you can ask yourself, is there a reason to be joyful? And we want to explore what, what is true, lasting, deep, sustaining joy. What does that look like, and how can we cultivate it? So to get started, I just want you to take a minute or two to turn to someone next to you and share this one thing: what would make Um, What kind of things could give you so much joy this Christmas season? What could give you so much joy this Christmas season? You're free to dream, to wish, to imagine, to name a few things. Um, Yes. Sawa, sawa. Thank you so much for participating. I have noticed two groups of people. Those ones who are waiting for such an opportunity to put down a list. (laughs) And those ones who are like, nah, I'm not even sure Ah, there's something that can uh, lift the spirits at this season, right? Yeah. You know, it's been a season as we come to Christmas 2023, it's been quite a year. Yeah, The mood of the moment is already being shaped by so many things around us. There are wars, the economy is tough. Um, It's been... You know, December tends to be quite busy, and then to add it all, sometimes you're just thinking, looking back at the year it has been. And maybe you just can't wait for the year to be over, because the average of all those experiences maybe hasn't been good. And you're like, you know, what is there to look forward to? So what does joy look like in times like this? Um, Over the years, I've become more and more a fan of the Christmas carols. And as I was beginning to think about this conversation, I realized that there's so much joy woven into them. So I'm going to read out a line from a random Christmas carol. You can test your knowledge of Christmas carols and see which, maybe, which Christmas carol it comes from. But then maybe see whether there's joy in it. Eh? One of those lines is, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Anyone who knows where that comes from? You know, it's so interesting even in first service. Every, people would just sing. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Oh, holy night. Right. A thrill of hope. Right. Yeah. Rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel has come to us. Has come to you, oh, Israel. Who knows where that comes from? Oh, come. Oh, come. Emmanuel. Yeah, there's one that begins with this ecstatic line: Joy to the world, right? Joy. There's a little line somewhere in one of the carols that says Star of Wonder, Star of Light. Star with royal beauty, bright. Yeah, good. But see, Star of Wonder, you know, joy woven into it. Another one begins by just saying, Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills, and there, and everywhere. Go tell what? That Jesus Christ is born. Mm-hmm. Nice. So in 2012, um, one orchestra in a small town in Spain, Sabadell, decided to celebrate the 130th year of the founding of their town with that. A hundred people took part in that uh, flash mob. And, uh, you know, I keep wondering, um, that little girl who dropped in the first coin and had that front row experience, yeah? what? What was it like taking it all in, right? And then all the other little children. There's something about little children that they're able to, to experience joy fully. Something about them. Maybe it's their sense of playfulness, their sense of not, not being guarded. Yeah. What does that joy look like? So that orchestra played a piece called Ode to Joy that was written and composed by Beethoven, who was deaf, partially deaf most of his life, and they say the most creative pieces are the ones that he wrote and composed after he was deaf. At some point, it was so bad, he he had to, you know, he had to remain like this on his piano so that he could hear and sense, and he had a troubled life, and yet he could leave behind such great gifts. You know, uh, the thing about a flash mob is just how it surprises you. It surprises you. Now. Uh, Not every day a flash mob, you know, you stumble upon a flash mob like that and it makes your day. But what if joy is wrapped up in the ordinary moments of everyday life? What would it look like to to live your life anticipating such a joy? So this month, as we journey through Advent, we think the story of the birth of Jesus invites us to a posture uh, that can allow us to enter into life more fully more open-heartedly. And so we will be drawing from the life of the birth of Jesus and how it happens and seeing how we can respond to life. So today, Luke chapter 2, verse 7 to 20. Luke 2, 7 to 20. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of clothes told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. You know, the birth of Jesus happened in a very ordinary way, but it is in itself shocking and surprising. I think it is even possible miss. On the one hand, we have Mary and Joseph huddled in a corner somewhere because the whole town is busy and full, there is no room for them. And so I imagine them in a barn somewhere, maybe on the outskirts. A barn is not something you have in the middle of town. Or maybe it was one of the barns near the inns where the travelers could keep their animals. But that's where they ended up. A little child is born and wrapped in bands of clothes and laid in a manger. There's nothing remarkable about that. The story of Christmas also, we find that it meets people, very ordinary people, some of them old, some of them just obscure. And right now we have shepherds. Shepherds were people who did not even mix with everyone else. Their work was to take care of sheep. I think they were given a collection of sheep for the village, and they lived with them, and they took care of them throughout their lives. They hardly had any family. They were sort of like ruffians, rough guys. They smelt sheep all the time. What are the odds that these are the people who are chosen for the invitation to go and meet the child who's been born, the Messiah? You're like, God does his things in a very surprising way. And so they go, they see the child, and they tell all they had heard. And everyone who heard what the shepherds said was amazed because you don't expect anything wise to come from shepherds. They had just encountered God. You know, I see that angelic performance and I'm like, that's like a flash mob of angels. You know, they just surprise them and they're like, oh, how cool is that? Yeah? So that's how the story begins to unfold. God does not choose nobility to visit the kings of kings in the major manger, but shepherds, who are the ones who know that scene very well because they deal with livestock. So at the heart of it, Christmas is about the divine breaking in into this world. Could it be that Christmas also reminds us that at the heart of it as we go through life, it's about the divine breaking in into our lives? And could it be that God tries to break into our lives in very ordinary ways, so ordinary that we keep missing them because we are so focused on on something extraordinary because we are so focused um, and anticipating the extraordinary. Could it be that is the case? And so one of the things this story invites us is to look at the ordinary. As you look back at your life this year, and between now and when the year closes, you'll find yourself in different contexts where people are asking, what kind of year did you have? What are you grateful for? What are your highlights this year? And you'll pause, and you will look back, and you'll try to remember what are your highlights. And do you know what you'll be doing by then? You'll be looking for moments that kind of stood out, out of the ordinary, so that you can, you can share them. And sometimes we are bound to think that joy is, comes in pockets that are few and far in between. But what if joy is something we are supposed to carry with us? all the time as we journey through life, the seasons, the ins and outs, and the ups and downs. Is it possible to think that, uh, that joy is not something we arrive at at the end of the journey, but something we cultivate every day as we go through the journey? Maybe that is why God chooses to orchestrate the birth of Jesus in a very ordinary way in an unremarkable way. God does not bypass the rules of ordinary, ordinary happenings to make the birth of Jesus possible. If you've ever been late, if you've ever missed a registration because things were full, even God just has to suffer those same things that the manger, uh, that the inns were full. It happens maybe in a very ordinary way to teach us a couple of things. About life and about joy. One of the things I want you to remember about joy is that it is not something we micromanage and overly plan for, but it is something we cultivate. If you've ever organized an event, um, it's very hard to put joy, you know, as an item uh, that that event will be. It always sort of rises unbidden. C.S. Lewis has a book called Surprised by Joy, and in it he keeps saying joy is such a strange phenomenon, but that when it comes, it surprises. It's like a flash mob. You, know, you just discover, oh, this moment was a gift. It draws joy. And so if we think about that, then joy has, to do more, has more to do with the capacity and posture of the heart to draw joy from any given moment or to receive the joy that is woven in any moment, rather than producing it. That is to say that any moment, no matter how small and insignificant, contains with it an enormous potential of joy. And whether or not someone is experiencing joy, it is about the posture of the heart and the capacity to receive joy. So as we enter this December season, perhaps you may be wondering, should there be a reason for joy? How can you find joy? Maybe your heart is just exhausted, but maybe the invitation is why not? Why not journey with joy? Why not take a hold of joy that is present in in the moment as it is? Um, There's a mentality called when I finally, dot, dot, dot. It's called the when I finally mentality. Now, I can see some of you smiling because you know this mentality very well, yeah when I finally yeah, yeah. you're even feeling it, uh, feeling the blank. It is a mindset that thinks that real life will be experienced when things are dramatically different from the current moment. It can be anything when I finally uh, graduate, when I finally get that job, when I finally have family, when I finally. Settle in that area. When I finally, you know, the list can keep going on. Um, And we are tempted to exist in that mentality often. But what this mentality does is to postpone the possibility of experiencing life fully in the now, right? We end up even postponing joy. When I finally get this or do that or end up somewhere, that's when there will be real joy joy that's when I can live um, more and I think it is good that the Christmas story to meet us here yeah a story that is so ordinary and unremarkable that it is shorting it's shocking that God did not wait for perfect conditions that the greatest miracle happened in the most ordinary of ways and so we are told do not wait for perfect conditions for you to start living your life, or even to start experiencing joy. What would joy look like in the ordinary moments, and even right now? You see, uh, when I came for first service and it was unfolding, I thought to myself, I think these guys who build here always start a new phase of construction on a Sunday. Because every Sunday, there's hammering, there's chiseling in, and all of a sudden, you know, I've walked there a couple of Sundays and said, you know, uh, can you just pause 30 minutes? And they say, okay. But then, nothing happens, right? Right now, right now they've kind of paused. I hope they can say like that. And so today morning, I was there, I was getting bugged by it, and I was like, choose joy, choose joy. What, what, you know, does, is, there, is there any, any joy <laughs> wrapped up in the hammering, you know, and in, in the ordinary, in the ordinary so one of, the, one of the postures, one of the things that can help us in that and in, in, in cultivating that capacity of the heart to draw joy and not to only anticipate joy at the end is that posture of gratitude, learning to say thank you. Thank you for the hammering. Maybe that's what I thought, right? Maybe there's something wrapped up in there gratitude. You see, sometimes I'll, I used to think that gratitude is something you say at the very end of something. Maybe you've received a gift. Thank you. Maybe it's at the end of the day. Thank you. But I'm even learning that actually gratitude is more powerful when it is the posture throughout. You wake up in the morning. Thank you. Even before you begin. And maybe even, you know, look for just just the joy of being alive. The joy of being grateful even as you start, not only when you look back at what you have accomplished. So this month of December, as everything closes down, some of you, most of us will get some some time off to rest. One of the things that people do is just to be grateful for the year ahead. I hope you can really lean into that practice of gratitude. And as you look back, uh, maybe you will try to squeeze out the highlights of your year, but go beyond that into the very ordinary. Go beyond that even to check what are you grateful for this very moment. I think it slows us down. It helps us. It makes us humble. If you're going to find a couple of things to be grateful for this moment, it requires a lot of humility. And therefore, you grow your capacity to see joy. We can cultivate a grateful heart that can train our eyes to see the good even in the little moments. When we arise in the morning this is a quote we give thanks for the food and for the joy of living if you see no reason for giving thanks the fault lies only in yourself not that there is no reason for that um i realized something about myself recently that i am and i know i'm not alone in this that i am so prone to evaluating moments and giving them a score you know i can come to a moment like this "Mm," this is not a good moment, right? I can go to another gathering, or I can go, oh, I can step at the weather, not good weather. I can, you know, anything. I can enjoy some food somewhere, ah, not good. You know, good or bad. So we are very good at evaluating and giving a score. And most of the times, unconsciously, we are uh, bundling things up into categories of, yeah, good, great, worthy of gratitude. And, eh, you know, there, there could be better. Yeah, guess where we find most of the things, right? Yeah? <laughs> there there. are. Yeah? Um, perhaps there's nothing wrong. Perhaps it's just how we experience life, but it can greatly diminish our capacity for experiencing joy. It can make joy a variable in our lives. Joy will only be experienced when things are much more perfect than they are. And I think uh, the thing about joy is that it is imperfect. The birth of Jesus was very imperfect. Uh, the author, Rob Dell says, if you want to experience joy, lower your standards. And I thought, oh, you know, the first time I never... I didn't feel good about that, right? Because sometimes we, we, we set standards of moments and of life and what life should give back to us that are so high that nobody can ever attain to us. And maybe that's the reason why there's so much joylessness. So instead of assessing moments, critiquing everything, assigning them categories of goodness and gratitude, of goodness, what gratitude does is to tune, helps us to tune into the goodness in every moment. Maybe the moment is not perfect right now. Maybe the season has been excruciating. Maybe things are really bad. Maybe you're experiencing something so strange. Maybe you're just in a season of just being exhausted. Yeah? And, and the list can go on and on. But what gratitude does is to is, is to just to alert us to the goodness that could be already there. And until we begin that, we we miss out on the capacity for joy. But the more we do that, the our heart enlargens in its capacity to pick up joy that is wrapped up now, at this hour, in that hammering, right? Um the author Mark Nippo says, to say thank you stops everything. To say thank you unravels the, the tangles in our mind. To say thank you gives you air, gives, to say thank you gives air to the wounds we carry in our heart. It is a simple mystery, a small act of acceptance that lets us be buoyed by the presence of all of life. Much the same way a raft carrying you can, can be lifted by the sea. And in that lift, you can briefly see eternity. So, one of the invitations we have is to reflect on our life and ask ourselves, is there joy in this present moment? Am I joyful, right? Am I joyful? And chances are we will find ourselves time and again in a moment that is joyless. What we are saying is that sometimes we tend to say that joyfulness will be found when these circumstances change much later on, yeah? So sometimes we think moving from joyfulness joylessness to joyfulness will take time and will take a lot of change. Now is joyful, then. Now is joyless, then. At some point, it will be. But what you are saying is, with gratitude and with tuning into the ordinary, should you find yourself in a moment that is joyless, sit in the discomfort of that. And instead of waiting for change and for a time where joy will come, what would it look like to move towards joyfulness in the now? Not then and somewhere else, but now. I think that, like Mark Nipple says, it begins to open up our hearts, to let go of our wounds, to grapple with why is there this gap? Why is there this gap and what can I learn from it? What do I need to let go? What do I need to, how, what do I need to let go so that I can live more, lightly, and experience joy in the here and now? I think that is what we're being invited to. Gratitude helps us do that. Gratitude leads us to, be, to, to, to have a sense of wonder and awe. Nothing is too ordinary. Nothing is to be dismissed. Um, everything matters. And as a byproduct, we're able to leave behind the when I finally mentality as well as that overly evaluative mindset. And I think we end up being more restful. And so joy surprises us. Joy surprises us. One of the reasons, as, as I was grappling with this series, I've been asking myself, have I been more joyful this year? Or even asking myself, I have met very few people who are truly, truly joyful. Then what would it look like for us to begin experiencing and cultivating joy right now? Here's another quote. There's a strange attitude and feeling that one is not yet in real life. For the time being, one is doing this or that, but whether it is a relationship with a person or a job, it is not yet what we really wanted. And there's always the fantasy that sometime in the future, the real thing will come about. The one thing dreaded throughout by such a type of person is to be bound to anything, whatever. There's a terrific fear of being pinned down of entering space and time completely and being the unique human one is. I think it is to such a people that the Christmas story comes. When we realize that God decided to to be pinned down to a moment in history, to a body of a human being, to a culture, he just allowed himself to be pinned down to the ordinary. That God was not afraid to enter space and time completely. That if we are going to experience joy in our lives, we have to allow ourselves to be pinned down to the ordinary moments fully, to enter them fully, and to see what is there. Joy is not tomorrow, joy is not much, much later. Joy is you cultivating a posture of the heart that can pick it up in the present moments. Of your life and in the seasons. So I pray that you may experience more joy as you go through this December. You may actually cultivate it. You may actually create space, make room in your heart for joy. As you go through Advent and Christmas and the year ahead, hopefully joy can be a part of that. Let us pray. Our loving God today as we begin to reflect on the story of the birth of Jesus and how ordinary it was, we are thinking about joy. We want to be a joyful people. We want to experience joy in our lives. So help us to cultivate within our hearts a capacity to to receive it, a capacity to to pick joy wherever we are, whatever we are going through to choose joy and to experience it and the more we cultivate that spaciousness within us may we be surprised by your joy Lord Jesus we also acknowledge that joy is a fruit of the spirit that perhaps we are not to do it within ourselves that perhaps there are struggles that we have, there are moments of difficulty that we may be going through and joy is the last thing in our minds may your Holy Spirit bring peace May your Holy Spirit bring wholeness. May your Holy Spirit fill us with your joy that can be our strength. So hold us and guide us and teach us to live joyful lives. Help us to appreciate the very ordinariness of our lives. It may seem too long. It may seem too much. But help us know that you're present and joy is woven into that and we can unwrap the joyful gifts in each of those moments. So good shepherd, lead us. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.